Kia ora, g'day, and welcome to the History of Aotearoa New Zealand, episode 101. Um, basically, this one is going to be the same as the last one, but with slightly different people, um, because it's towards the end of the year, and I needed to fill one more ad slot, or one more slot, so, um, so that's part of it. But also, um, like the previous episode, um where i brought on some particularly kiwi podcasters um who have helped me to um get to the point where i am i thought it was only fair that we bring on some history podcasters who have also helped me um get to be where i am as well with um chatting about random things and hanging out on discord and stuff um so do you guys want to whoever wants to go first do you guys want to introduce yourselves and a bit about who you are and what you do sure i'll, I'll start this off um my name is benjamin jacobs i'm the host of wittenberg to westphalia the wars of the reformation my show aims to use the wars of religion in europe to examine the early modern period of european history but most people don't actually know what that means uh what the early modern period is or how it came about so i actually started with the geographic formation of the european peninsula in the days when the earth was young and the coasts were straight I guess that's why my show has been going for nine years, has 85 episodes, and I still haven't finished the introduction. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I feel that having um, kind of been doing the introduction to my show for four years, um, I kind of also yeah. feel that as well. Um, so no, definitely, definitely get that. Also very succinct. Um, it's really it's almost like you practice it <laughs> it's taken me nine years to get that down yeah um cool who wants to go next i guess i will so hello or zrasitavarici my name is roberto and i am the host of actually two podcasts i run the history of sacred georgia which is a podcast about the country of georgia so all about the history starting from prehistory of ancient Caucasus all the way to the modern period we're currently in the 500s, and I mostly talk about the era, and you will find me gushing about Georgian wine half the time. The other podcast I run is called Czar Power, which ranks the Russian rulers from Rurik to Putin. So we, I do that with a co-host, and it is a lot of fun. Amazing. Um, and <laughs> one, one more. <laughs> Greetings, I'm Sarah, host of Rejects and Revolutionary. I'm an American history podcast focusing on the 17th century. The idea is to go chronologically through um, American history starting from the beginning, but uh, you know, 17th century is where we're staying for, the, for the present. <laughs> You're also still on the introduction, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you think that uh, early American history is the American Revolution, then... Um, this is the podcast that goes against that. Nice. Yeah, we're all we're all in um as, as I'm sure listeners have gathered, we're all very similar in what we're doing, um at least in terms of the format. Um but we've all got very weird and different places that we're doing that story from, basically. Um, so yeah, there's a, a wide variety of, of places that are being covered in a variety of history podcasts, um, which is always very exciting. Um, so yeah, so as I was explaining just before we started recording, 
Um, the way that this is going to work is I'm going to give you a uh, a statement um, that of some part of it is false, and you just need to say what part is false. Um, I'm going to be quite generous with the scoring here. Um, if you get in the vague ballpark of what I'm looking for, I will give you a point. Um, I'm not really anticipating that you guys will know exactly what <laughs> what it is. I think that would be quite unfair. Um, so yeah, so as long as you're getting in the vague ballpark, um, I'll give you the point. Um, I'm just going to answer start... Martin Luther to everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not no, sure no, he comes up at Martin all. Luther King. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> um, I don't know how many points that's going to get you. Um, so we'll start with the first question, um, which is about, um, kind of related to World War Two. A major news headline during World War Two in New Zealand was the Battle of Manners Street, a fight between American soldiers stationed in Wellington and local Kiwi soldiers on an evening in 1943, supposedly started by Americans who objected to Māori being able to drink at the same bar as them. As a result, a fight broke out between 1,000 people that lasted a few hours. If you have an answer, just... Oh, and now, now we're supposed to say what part of that was incorrect. Yeah, so just just shout out what you think the, that part of that was incorrect. I'm going to go for, uh, because I have no idea, is, is Manor Street even in Wellington? Maybe. I'll answer, <laughs> I'm, okay. I'll answer well, that, the that's other what two. I, I'm going to put my flag on the geography, because that's what okay. I do. <laughs> I'm going to put my flag on the thousand people, just probably less. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm okay. going to say more. Um, then I will uh, say that the date is wrong, and that it was actually before that. Okay. Um, ben, yours is quite a funny one because that's the thing that was wrong in the last episode. Was I said I said men? It was actually the battle of. K Road in Auckland. Um, so you're like you were. You would have done well in the last episode. Uh, um, but for um, Roberto and Sarah, um, it did occur in 1943, um, in the middle of um, World War Two, and it was about a thousand people, um, just literally in the middle of Wellington, having a punch up um, for about I think it was about six hours um, one evening. It was yeah, like three people died. It was, like, insane. Um, but the thing that was incorrect there um, was that I said it was a major news headline in World War II. Oh. Uh, it wasn't a major news headline. It was covered up by the government. Sure, um, yeah. And the idea being that um, it, yeah, it would, you know, divisions, and it, well, they didn't want to deepen divisions, provoke tensions. Yeah. They didn't want the Germans to know everything was kind of going tits up. It wasn't really, but they didn't yeah. want them to think that. Um the actual inquiry wouldn't be released for about 20 years until um, after the incident, so not until the early 1960s um, oh. did anyone actually know publicly that this thing had occurred. Um, but yeah, it was a really wild time in kind of New Zealand uh, wartime history because, yeah, it was it, it was a weird thing where I, I said the American soldiers um, objected to Māori being able to 
um, drink in pubs and then allegedly Pākehā white soldiers defended the Māori but which has always got this implication of like oh it's because they're like because they think the Americans are super racist or whatever it's actually more likely that the white guys were like those are our brown people and only we're allowed to be racist (laughs) so unfortunately it wasn't super it it wasn't all kind of like yeah all very good unfortunately it's Um, interesting we we had uh, riots along those lines you know here that hmm. were also covered up that was just the MO of the allies at the time I guess yeah um yeah, yeah well, like no, the, the Zoot Suit riots in LA are sort of the one that popped up to the top of my mind which mm. is a fun song about that <clears throat> Zoot Suit Riot <laughs> <laughs> the cherry poppin daddies <laughs> yeah so cool this next question um is about um I guess New Zealand's military uh agreements with the United States um, Australia New Zealand United States or ANZUS is a military agreement between the three countries that has been going on since 1951 well except for the fact that New Zealand was kicked out of the agreement in 1985 due to our nuclear free stance effectively banning US ships from entering our ports which the US responded in kind despite this kerfuffle the US always viewed New Zealand as an ally Hmm. Wasn't the ANZUS thing a little bit later than 1951? Maybe. I think it was 53. I'm not sure. I'm going to go... Go ahead. I was going to say, probably it was a bit earlier than 1985. Well, I mean later than 1985. Probably after like Chernobyl, so like 87. I will give you a hint. I will give you a slight hint. So, Sarah, you can redo your guess if you like none of these questions that i'm going to give you are so mean that the dates are wrong all the dates are correct because <laughs> okay. um, i thought okay. that was too mean uh, <laughs> to be like actually it was 1952 <laughs> <laughs> no all the dates all the dates are right so okay. um there's nothing in here where yeah i've tried to trick you by saying it was in the 50s when actually it was in the 60s so uh there's two ways i could see this going and uh i'll say maybe we never banned new zealand ships from our ports mm-hmm. um and i'm gonna go if it's not time like i was saying um i, I don't know i think i think it probably is a ships then <laughs> well maybe there was a brief period of time where we didn't particularly consider each other allies and we were more neutral to each other that was my other guess so mm-hmm. you should have guessed that one ben because ah. that, that's pretty much nearly correct um in official documents uh, president ronald reagan stated that the u.s now viewed new zealand as quote a friend but not an ally it's kind of good mates um <laughs> for a while next question is also about uh, new zealand's nuclear free stance in 1985, then-Prime Minister David Lange was invited to Oxford University to debate an American that nuclear weapons were morally indefensible. After almost being demanded to answer a question about the fact that New Zealand benefits from the shield that nuclear weapons provide, Lange pulled out the banger line, quote, I'm going to give it to you if you hold your breath for just a moment. 
I can smell the plutonium on it as you lean towards me, end quote. Which is... <laughs> that is badass. Such a good line. I love it. It's not at Oxford, it's at Cambridge. Boom. Oh, so that... <laughs> uh, I'm not sure what else there is to <laughs> disagree with. Um, probably uh, there could be something with the quote. Um... I can see, like, the gears turning... <laughs> and your head. <laughs> Honestly, the, the, the I'm trying ma- not to go deep again. The, maybe, <laughs> maybe it was not actually an American he was debating. Mm-hmm. That's. I'll stick to that just because. Okay. I, I don't want to get into the details of the quote to try and disagree. <laughs> with the part of the quote. It's a badass quote. That's. Maybe he wasn't. Um, like taking as strong a stance as you said in your little spiel and maybe it was sort of like they're not just morally indefensible always but we need to scale back and be careful Mm -hmm. okay um i will give that point to ben because you did mention um what was what could potentially wrong the problem is with the quote um, the they the the debate was that David Lange did find them morally indefensible. Um, he actually thought we should get rid of them entirely. Hence, he was the prime minister who um, was basically the one who made us go nuclear free. Well, not made us go nuclear free, but he was the one who put all of that legislation through um, and that sort of thing. Um, it was at Oxford, Roberta. It wasn't at Cambridge. It was at Oxford. Um, that's a really good guess, though. Um, but yeah, no, the the uh, I was slightly sneaky with this one, and where I said um, the the quote is by and large correct, um, but he didn't say I can smell the plutonium on it as I, as you lean towards me. Um, he said I can smell the uranium on it as you lean towards me. Um, so that one was I, I as I said I was a bit sneaky with that one. <laughs> so with that, it brings us to our first shiny question. Ooh. Um, which for this is going to be song lyrics um so there's a number of points on offer here um i'll put a whole thing in the discord hopefully it comes up properly it does okay so in discord i have put six uh verses from six different songs and your job is to line those up with the song title and the artist, if you can. Um, I might have a leg up on this one for one of them. Anyway. Wait, Lord's ki- <laughs> L- wait, Lord's a kiwi. Lord is a kiwi. What? Yep. Yes. Okay. Very famously, Lord is a kiwi. Yeah. Yes. Um, no. Oh, wow. So there's no time limit or anything. Just, um, just, yeah. If you've got a pen and paper, just writing down how best you can, um, and I will read out the answers when you guys are all done um and then we'll just work by the honor system that you guys can tell me how many you got right so you get a correct answer you get a point for every um song title and every artist that you get correct so there's effectively 12 points you could get in this okay um so while you guys are doing that i will just for the benefit of the listeners i'll read out the different things that we've got here so the first song is Brother Pele's in the back, Sweet Zena's in the front, cruising down the freeway in the hot, hot sun. Suddenly red blue lights flash from behind, loud booming, please step out, 
please step out onto the line. Pele preaches the words of comfort. Xena just hides her eyes. Policeman taps his shades. Is that a Chevy 69? Song two, Jackie came, she went away. Deep in the valley, I kissed her that day, but it seems I'm thinking of you, but I'm still thinking about someone else. Song three, um, te poi patua, taku poi patua, kia riti pa para patua, taku poi e. Trying very hard not to do these actually in time, um, in case <laughs> it gives anything away. Um, fourth song, how many dudes you know roll like this? How many dudes you know flow like this? Not many, if any, not many, if any. How many dudes you know got the skills to go rock a show like this? Um, song five, I've never seen a diamond in the flesh. I cut my teeth on wedding rings in the movies and I'm not proud of my address. I'm in a torn up town, no postcode envy. Uh, and sixth song, uh, when I was a young boy, I wanted to sail around the world. That's the life for me, living on the sea. Spirit of a sailor, circumnavigates the globe. The lust of a pioneer will acknowledge no frontier. I am done guessing. I'm, do, do we DM it to you, or do we just post it? Yeah. No, I'll just I'll just give I'm you good. the um, the I'll just read out the um, the answers, and then you guys can just tally up the scores, and I'll just believe you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm all, because I'm all, all the points are made up and don't matter. So, um, so song number one um, was. How Bizarre by OMC. Brother Pele's in the back. Sweet Xena's in the front. Cruising down the freeway in the hot, hot sun. Do we know that one? Nope. I but I, 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 I yeah. didn't match. Great I got the song. So, here's... How Bizarre. How, how Bizarre. Okay, so crazily enough, I got it wrong. But I did put How Bizarre by OMC for the... For a different song, so I got it right in that front. But the... <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give you a point for that. <laughs> I didn't match the title and the, I, and I, the I, lyric I, and the artist, so I'll get one point for me finally. I, I got the I got the song from scanning it because I know the song, but I didn't know the artist. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So that's um, that's a really interesting one because the guy's from like a small town in the North Island, and he became like a massive hit overnight. Yes. Um, because of this one song, and he's never done any songs since then, um, <laughs> which is really funny. How bizarre! Um, uh, song two was "Why Does Love Do This to Me" by the Exponents. I got that right too. Okay. <laughs> I got it wrong. What was the artist? The Exponents. Uh, Why does love do this to me by the Exponents? Okay. So yeah, I did it twice um, in a row. So I'm, I'm giving myself a point for that, just because that's. I'll give you another. That's, point that's uncanny. Um, song number three was Poirier by Partia Māori Club. Um, okay, I got that. Which is like another like big, huge yeah, banger. Um, yeah, that one was probably <laughs> the most obvious out of all of them because it's the only one in Tadeo. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Te Poi Patua, Taku Poi Patua, Kiaria Pa Pada Patua, Taku Poi, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if we get it right, it's three points, right? Or is it two points? Per... If you get the name... Sorry, two points. Yeah, if you get the name of the song and the artist. Okay, cool. Um, it's two points. If you only get the name or only get the artist, then it's one point. Okay. Um, or if you got the name and the artist but on the wrong song, I'll also get Awesome. <laughs> um, song number what, one, two, three, four is Not Many by Scribe. Um, 
How oh, many dudes okay. you know roll like this? How many dudes you know flow like this? I, I, I pulled the Roberto on that one. I got the I matched the artist and Amazing. Song title, I, I, I actually got I actually got that right. So surprisingly, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm very happy with myself. Um, yeah, describes a um, a rapper from the like early 2000s. He was big when I was like at school. Um, not really anymore though. Um, he's he's done some dodgy stuff I think since then. Um, mm. So you know, um, song number five was Royals by Lord. Yeah, um, yeah, we got it right. Just like the first <laughs> verse, though. Um, yeah. So I actually don't know how that one goes. I've never seen a diamond in the flesh. In the flesh, I got my teeth on wedding rings in the movies. Yeah. <laughs> See, I only, I only know that that song because <laughs> of um, the Weird Al Yankovic parody. Foil. Oh right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reason I know it. Um, and and song number six is Six Months in a Leaky Boat" by Split Ends. Got it. Um, yes. When I Got was that. a young boy, I wanted really? to sail around the world, and then it keeps going. And then six months <laughs> in a leaky boat, just enough to stay afloat. Um, yeah. So bang that one out. Um, when I'm in the clubs. Um, same with what was the other one that was real big? Oh, why does love do this to me? That's big, mm. big clubbing song in New Zealand as well. <laughs> I, <knew my laughs> I don't know if it's the same anywhere else, but it is here. Um, I, I knew my love of semi-obscure 1980s new wave would benefit me someday. It's <laughs> <laughs> all coming handy. I guess I could save me. Cool. So, what did we? What did we all get for points? Right, I got uh, eight. I got ten. I also got eight. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> I was very good at matching titles to, to, to artists, so... I got all the song Amazing. titles and only two of the uh, artists. Cool. So, back to our regular statement questions. Oh, where I saw it. Okay. Um, <laughs> this one, this one being about um, some New Zealand colonial history. Ooh. Um, although the state of New Zealand effectively came into being in 1840 with the signing of the Treaty of Waitangi, British colonists did actually live here prior to that. Since these colonists were just running rampant in Aotearoa due to not being officially under the jurisdiction of the Crown, it was decided a treaty was needed to establish an official colony on the islands. I'm going to go with no treaty uh, was needed. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think that they needed the treaty because of colonists running rampant. I think they needed it because of um, indigenous uh, resistance. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think there was a war. I think this is the only thing I know about New Zealand's history. (laughs) I could be completely wrong, though. (laughs) You're, like, sort of right, Um, but your, your timing is slightly off. Um, so the New Zealand wars wouldn't actually occur until after the signing of Treaty oh, of Oh, okay. Um, and were somewhat, uh, in some cases, were fought as a result of it. Um, or, or more specifically, the um, British not uh, doing, you know, not fulfilling their end of the bargain, basically. Right. Oh. Um, but yeah, so they were actually, so the British colonists were actually, or English colonists were running rampant um kind of all over the country um and it was like kind of a big bit of a problem um 
but I will I will give you both the point um, because there is an element of um, of kind of I guess as you said indigenous resistance that did require the need for a for the treaty um, you know that was that was like a that was kind of part of the reason why um, it was done but the thing that I specifically did uh, said incorrect there was that um, that British colonists weren't actually underneath the crown at that point because they weren't, you know, they were uh, in New Zealand. They were actually underneath the crown because prior to 1840, New Zealand was under the jurisdiction of New South Wales and Australia. Uh, um, yeah. So we were, for a very brief period of time, part of Australia, which um, we like to forget because... You know, <laughs> that didn't happen. You know, What's well, Australia? It's very dark. <laughs> so, so I need, so I have a question and you cannot ask it if it comes up in a future question. The, were the musket wars going on before this? Yeah, musket wars occurred before okay. 1840 as a result right. of um, basically muskets being given to, right. um, or sorry, being traded to Māori, um, and then Māori were using those muskets to to basically fight historical grievances. So those right. those conflicts weren't explicitly against the English; um, they were actually between Māori. But they yeah. were being fueled by the English because the English yeah, were like, was... "Well, we can get all this cool stuff, but we just give them muskets." Because meanwhile, the government's watching a ongoing process of centralization amongst an increasingly warlike. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where it was, it was this Going, weird thing where suddenly, uh... yeah, like all these um, all these tribes that were able to, you know, they got muskets, but their neighbors didn't, and suddenly, yeah, all this power was being centralized in the group of a very few amount of. Um, of Maori leaders, and they were able to do military campaigns like so much further, like in terms of like land distance, compared to like their um, their ancestors and stuff. So it was like a really big problem. Where um, yeah, suddenly yeah, everyone was just kind of like, "Wow, that muskets! That these, these are great, and they work really well." Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a big, yeah. big problem. Cool. Yeah. Well, not cool, but <laughs> okay. So, but yeah, uh, the right, the muscle well, prior saying. to 1840, yeah. but the New Zealand land wars, which are probably right, yeah, which yeah. are more directly related to the treaty, they came after the treaty was right. um, the treaty was signed. The the one really strong bit of research I've done on New Zealand history was ten years ago. I fell down a Wikipedia rabbit hole at work and Is read it? all about the musket wars and the land yeah. wars. But it was also ten years ago, and I forgot it all. <laughs> As you <laughs> so do, I was like, yeah. There's something about muskets. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there was something about muskets. All I know about New Zealand is spades and uh, Bob Semple. So, and rugby. That's about it. <laughs> what else do you need to know? Those two things. And you know a lot about the Maori. Um, so. Cool. Yeah. Um, cool. So question five is about, uh, I guess not necessarily explicitly about New Zealand, but it's about um, the Maori before they arrived in New Zealand. Oh, yes. Um, so humans have been traveling throughout the Pacific for thousands of years, voyaging in a general west to east pattern leading to the term Vikings of the Sunrise. Polynesians in the easternmost islands even obtained potatoes and kumara, which you guys would call sweet potato, having sailed all the way to South America, a theory proved by Norwegian Thor Heyerdahl in 1947. Hmm. 
That all sounds very correct, though. Uh, I, don't, I want to say he's not Norwegian. Yeah, I want to say he's from a different thing. Scandinavian country. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be Vikings of the Sun set with the direction? Yeah, oh. it would be... Well, it's, it's Vikings of the Sunrise because they're, they're heading towards the east. <laughs> Wait, okay. So this is where uh, the fact that all of our maps cut off New Zealand is... Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, there's a strong problem. European bias with our maps <laughs> where often the Pacific gets cut in half. Yeah, so this is where... Okay, so if you're... So if you think that they, they were coming from like Southeast Asia, so like Taiwan... Right. And then they were generally moving towards yeah. South America. They were moving generally. east to the towards okay. the U.S. west coast. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, your west, but that's our east. Right. right. Okay. Cool. Oh. Right. Gotcha. I have a map yeah. on my so that, desk. That's, so. that's all good. So that's all good. Um, Vikings. Okay. I have, I cannot figure out where the issue is. Um, it's a pretty small one, to be fair. Maybe and you said not dates. Not dates. <laughs> okay. Um, Except for this one. Well, then again, I got that I got that date from Wikipedia. If I'm being entirely honest, okay, so sure. Maybe so, it's slightly enough. out, but that's not what's wrong here. <laughs> uh, maybe people haven't been traveling through the area for thousands of years and maybe it's more like hundreds mm -hmm. well like they got to New Zealand in the 1200s so maybe longer so mm -hmm. I don't know but, I mean they started earlier much earlier early. yeah but they you know took them a while um, it could be it's not thousands maybe of something about Vikings. Maybe it's a different seafaring group. Maybe it's the Greeks. Okay. <laughs> That's what I'll say. Um, it is the Vikings. Um, okay. It was it was from a guy here in New Zealand called Tirangi Hiro. Um, okay. He was like a um, I guess like an ethnologist. He was like a Maori ethnologist. Um, and he he coined that term Vikings of the Sunrise. Um, but no, what Small I was term. looking for was again I was a little bit sneaky with this one. Um, I said that uh, Polynesians in the easternmost islands even obtained potatoes and kumara. They didn't obtain potatoes. They only obtained kumara. Potatoes didn't make it to New Zealand right. until English colonists right. came here. Because potatoes come from South America. And the potatoes do also come from South America, but for some reason, the Polynesians never brought them back. Um, right. Or at least there's no evidence that they did. Um, whereas for Kumara, we know that they did because it eventually made its way to New Zealand. Um, but yeah, potatoes weren't actually um, acquired or didn't arrive to New Zealand and weren't acquired by Māori until much, much later when Europeans turned up and said, hey, have you guys seen these? And Māori were like, no, but we basically know what they are. So that seems pretty cool. <laughs> have you had a Kumara? And then Europeans were like, well, Sorry, me? Yeah. I, I mean, yes, all the time. <laughs> I eat them all the time. It's so good. Except when, like, normally they're really fucking expensive, actually. Mm. Um, so normally, no. But I do eat them quite a lot. They're really nice. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, the, the other thing that happened was uh, Europeans said, hey, don't you want to love, like, don't you want to know this, like, wheat thing and, like, turn right. that into bread? 
and then Māori were like, that seems like way too much effort. Um, <laughs> you gotta, you got to cut it down. you got to grind it up. you, you got to yeah. bake it. Whereas potatoes and, and kumara, you put it in the ground, it grows, you pull it out, you can basically eat it raw. Like, you don't really need to do a lot of stuff to it. Um, so, yeah, so that was, like, a big thing where they were, like, Europeans were really trying hard to get them to eat bread, and Māori were just, like, that just seemed like an absolute waste of time. It is. <laughs> it really is. The repeated theme. The repeated theme through the colonial era of Europeans being like bread. You have to do bread. We need bread. Yeah, <laughs> it's such a it's such like, a weird what's... a weird thing. Um, yeah, and they tried really hard, and by and large, Māori were just like, "We'll take the potatoes because, like, that basically is the same thing as kumara, um, so that works." But yeah, for the bread, they were like, "I just don't under, I just don't understand why." Um, there's just not much. You just so much. It's effort. fine, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The other, the other part of the problem was um, there was no milling infrastructure here in New Zealand right. to do any yeah. of that. So all these Europeans were like, "But don't you think this is great?" And they were like yeah i mean it's nice but also i have to walk for three days to get to the nearest mill and that's just like not worth it at that point <laughs> yeah so it wasn't really until like a lot of like mills were built in new zealand that were like access really accessible that maori eventually were like i oh, actually yeah we might we might actually invest in this because it, it's not a doesn't take a heinous amount of time to, <laughs> to actually go and make this i mean it's a three-day walk thing in europe oh go ahead the whole bread thing in European culture is is deeply tied into like this lingering small scale urbanism that uh, your European feudalism had, where like every village, like people wouldn't live without bread, and so they needed a mill. So you know, the landlord mm. provided a mill, and everyone clustered around it, and then you had to use the bakers. All right, so that's my show. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is it is interesting where it was. The, in, in typical European colonization fashion, uh, they thought that that model could be um, essentially transplanted to literally everywhere else, and that's just right. not really how that works. Um, <laughs> so it was, yeah, so it's kind of it's um, not it's not so much that it can't be transplanted; it's that they thought that everyone would look at it and go, "Oh, this is obviously better." It's obviously better, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where it's like. I mean, it's only. No. I mean, it's not even better, but it's not even comparable if like the infrastructure's not there. So you know that was the thing. And I also found that it was weirdly like there's a lot of religion tied into it. Of like, if they yes. if they eat our food, then they're you know they'll they'll be more into God and therefore they'll have civilization and and all this sort of stuff. There's a lot of weird stuff in European colonization tied into like the food that indigenous peoples were eating. Which I found really weird. <laughs> like, well, it, it was kind of a, a self-owned is the wrong, almost a self-critique that um, they were so worried about people realizing that there were other legitimate ways to live mm. that just like they had to tie all this morality around bread um, and just uh, to the point of like starving themselves sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, like very, very strange, bread. but also very interesting. Um, yeah. But anyway, let's move on. Question six. <laughs> um, this one is about Maui. 
Maui is known throughout the Pacific for his exploits, including stealing fire from his grandmother slash father, stealing their jawbone and fishing up the North Island with it, beating the shit out of the sun, and even conquering death. He is known not only as a fairly noble character wanting the best for his people, but also as a bit of a humorous trickster, playing pranks on his family, often via his ability to transform into animals. What can I say except you're welcome? <laughs> and copyrighted by Disney. Uh. Yeah, if, those, if, if any of those record companies haven't already copyrighted me from singing those songs very badly. <laughs> oh, it, it, it's uh. not his grandmother and father that he that he stole the jawbone from. It was his grandfather. That's what I was yeah. going to say. I said grandmother slash father. It, it does depend slightly on who you ask and what story it is. Uh, I want to say it's his grandfather, not his grandmother. <laughs> okay, I'll, 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 I'll give you the hint. It's not that. Okay, hint. okay. Um, <laughs> because again, it's it, it, I put grandmother slash father because... Sorry, his grandmother slash grandfather because it's... Oh, okay. Again, it depends on depends on who you ask. Okay, um, so I thought you meant like grandmother or father. I was like, okay. Oh, sorry. No, I mean grandmother or grandfather. I was just trying to cut down the word uh, word limit there. <laughs> well, um, can I ask you to repeat it again, please? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So Maui is known throughout the Pacific for his exploits, including stealing fire from his grandmother slash grandfather, stealing their jawbone and fishing up the North Island with it, beating the shit out of the sun, and even conquering death. He is known not only as a fairly noble character wanting the best for his people, but also as a bit of a humorous trickster, playing pranks on his family, often via his ability to transform into animals. I'm going to go with um, maybe not uniformly across the entire Pacific. Mm -hmm. um, as in, you know, maybe not all cultures have exactly this set of... Maybe not even all Polynesian cultures have exactly the same set of stories mm -hmm. and certainly not you know the japanese maui mm -hmm. did die so also on the yeah maui did die so i'm gonna go and say he did not conquer death mm -hmm. that was gonna be my guess but i will go with um he doesn't play tricks by transforming into animals okay um, he does play tricks by changing into animals, which is like kind of cool. Um, but I will—I've given you all a point for that one because um, uh, I guess Ben, you're technically correct um, in that okay. not every not every Pacific culture has the same stories about Maui. Um, <laughs> but uh, Sarah and Roberto, you did um, nail it on the head. Maui quite famously did not conquer death, um, which is why it still exists. Um, he was trying to climb into the vagina of Hinenui Tepo, who's the goddess of the Maori goddess of death. And again, depending on who you ask, um, she had teeth in her vagina and closed them, or she put her thighs together and closed them. But by and large, he was crushed um, by large deaf woman, um, partially because, um, or part of the reason was that um, when he was trying to do it, um, the he asked the birds that were around him to not like make any noise so that she doesn't wake up because she was asleep oh. um, and Fantail um, Piwaka Waka 
um just just found it so funny his legs kind of dangling outside of um the this big woman's um genitals and couldn't couldn't contain it um so he laughed and hinenua tupo woke up and uh killed maui um <laughs> which was like yeah that's one way to go that's out how maui dies. <laughs> which is quite um yeah kind of interesting well it, it's it's always it's also interesting in that um when you read like the stories of like what he was kind of trying to achieve um it kind of talks about how he's like i'll climb into her vagina and then i'll come out through her mouth and i'm like that's that that's those things aren't connected those <laughs> those tubes aren't connected so <laughs> carl young's grave is now superheated to several thousand degrees it's kind of an interesting it's kind of an interesting story where it was um yeah i don't i don't know how much maori were aware of like i guess bodily anatomy and and with how that was going that story was going to work but then again it does differ between different stories mm. where because some of them are like because some of them will be really explicit where like maui's trying to come out her mouth and some will just be like he's just trying to climb in and he was gonna do something but of course <laughs> because you know the story ends with him dying what he was really trying to achieve other than the general idea of conquering death doesn't really matter um it you didn't know work. It, it didn't work in the end exactly so it doesn't really matter um what he ended up actually what he was actually trying to achieve um so yeah so there was a um but yeah i'll give you a point for all of uh, for all of you because um you all pretty much pretty much got that um in no way well <laughs> as i said i'm being very generous yeah, very with generous. the uh with, with the point scoring um so the next one um, is our shiny question? Oh, no bad time. Which is place the place? I in this again. I have sent you a link to a map of New Zealand. Okay. Um, okay. And I have given you um, a bunch of places which I have split between the North Island and the South Island. Your job is to try and figure out where, or try and note down where these places are. Um, and again, as long as you're kind of vaguely in the right area, um, I'll give it to you. Um, so while you guys okay. are thinking about that, I will list off the ones for the listeners, which is Cape Ranga, Hauraki Gulf, Matamata, and Kapiti Island for the North Island. For the South Island, it's Oraki, Hamler Springs, Milford Sound, and Invercargill. Oh, I don't know at least one of these. I'll be very offended if none of you get Invercargill because that's where I'm from. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's in the uh, certain direction, right? It's, it's, it's in the South Island. That's all I'm willing to reveal at this point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Hmm. Hmm. I had to be very careful about the map I used, actually, because a lot of the maps have, like, come to very granular detail about where things are. And so a lot of a lot of them are like have things really intensely labeled. So are we just we're like looking to see if we can figure out exactly where they are? Yeah, just see if you can pinpoint 
where these places might be. You know, this is the one time the map on my table fails me because New Zealand is <laughs> New Zealand is faded because that is where my arm goes for my mouse. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. New Zealand is, is disappearing from my actual table tabletop map. Yeah, maps without New Zealand. I mean, I mean it, it, it is on a map. It's just super faded now. <laughs> it's just... It's gradually disappearing. We don't like people to know where we are, so... It looks really cool on my uh, Google Maps vacations. It is really good, yeah. I used to live I used to live in Picton, so it was... Um, which is, is basically where the um, all the, the ships go out of and stuff in the Marlborough Sounds, which is pretty cool. Um some cool history around there as well um one of the cannons from uh, captain cook's ship is is there um oh, cool. just sitting out in like just outside for some reason um which is kind of weird um there's another cool ship called edwin fox which is a um like an old ship that used to bring um, it did. A, it did a bunch of different jobs, um, like bringing immigrants to New Zealand, convicts to Australia. It served in the Crimean War very briefly as well. Um, Teardrop. It did a bunch of things, but they've like kind of restored it, so you can go and walk on it and stuff, which is quite cool. Oh, the Crimean War! I have to cover that at some point. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Not a good time. <laughs> Both of them. Mm. <laughs> Both of them, yeah. Uh, that's what I get for having a podcast on about a Black Sea nation and the Russia. <laughs> so, uh, mm. yeah. Unfortunately, topical is probably how I'd put that. <laughs> Very topical, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm guessing these are all these all have a dairy in them. Um, I mean, most of them have a dairy. Carpety Island doesn't have a dairy. Oh, that's annoying. Um, well, then again, Carpety Island used to have, like, cows and stuff on it. Which I think maybe... No, I'm pretty sure it doesn't anymore. So I guess in that sense, mm. they had some sort of dairy. Um, Oreki definitely does not have a dairy. <laughs> okay. Neither does Milford Sound, I'm pretty sure. Okay, okay. <laughs> Oh, I used to be. One of the, I used to have the, like the most quintessential like kiwi like. Um, my friends told me this kiwi joke, and I had it not down to perfection. And I've forgotten over the last few years, so I'm very upset. It's how he taught me how to do the kiwi accent. Oh yeah, yeah, he's, he's from Auckland. It's like shorten your vowels, New Zealand. New Zealand. <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> All right, I'm good. Okay, I'm probably wrong, but I'm I'm ready to be wrong. That's fine. <laughs> well, I'm beach days. I'm prepared. Beach days, guys. <laughs> I got a I got a letter from. Um, You're back. Uh, was it Dutch History Podcast? Yeah. They sent me a. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, History of the Netherlands. I should say. Okay. They sent me a um, a envelope of stickers and stuff and one of the uh or what they'd drawn on the front was the beach dares <laughs> um, which was quite fun beach dares um, beach dares classic it's a class i love it um it's so good 
Um, cool. Roberto, Sarah, how we how we? I'm trade? done. Yeah. Yeah, I've got my guesses. Okay, cool. So, um, for the North Island, Cape Ranga um, is actually labelled here as North Cape, um, which is at the very top of the North Island. Um, it is where um, that nice sign is, and there's a lighthouse, and um, is where Māori souls jump off to go to the underworld, um, and all that sort of stuff. I, I, um, said, I guessed that it was near Wellington. I just figured you'd be amused by that. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Other ends. I, um, I couldn't actually be more wrong. I mean, I, I, wrote, I wrote down uh, West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> I used to know. Like, I said, like, I was like, West Coast. <laughs> I'm guessing I'm wrong. Right. No, no, it's at the top. Right at the top. Yep, I see the North Cape. Um, yep. The Hodeki Gold is the little bit near Auckland and Monaco kind of oh, also at the one. top yeah so it's that um that little kind of bay i guess you might call it um got it that's the the Horeki Gulf um Matamata is kind of near Hamilton um so just south of Auckland yes um that is quite famously where Hobbiton is yeah um, so if you want to go see Hobbiton you go that's where you're going you're going to that's why i knew it um <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, and Kapiti Island. You can only actually. I don't know if you can see it on this map, but Kapiti Island is near Wellington and Potidua. Um, it's a small island that um, used to have a bunch of farms on it. It's now a predator-free. I think it's predator-free anyway. Island where there's lots mm-hmm. of conservation stuff going on. Um, it's where the father of New Zealand conservation, Richard Henry, um, was also hanging out for a period of his life as well. Um, okay. For the South Island, um, again, I was a bit, uh, I was a bit sneaky with using Oreki. Oreki is the Maori name for Mount Cook, which is the largest mountain in New Zealand, um, which is sort of vaguely in the middle of the South Island. Um, so as long as roughly in the middle of the South Island, does Christchurch uh, count? Springs is. Christchurch, that's, that's actually fairly close. Okay. Yeah, so I'd count that. Cool. It's close enough. Um, Hemna Springs is sort of in the middle upper section of the South Island. That's where all the um, nice hot springs are. And, um, you know, they that, that's kind of their whole tourism industry is, is sitting in hot springs for, like, days. Um, which Sounds is pretty quite good cool. to me. What was that? Sorry? Sounds pretty good to me. It's pretty, it is pretty nice, actually, yeah. Um, Milford Sound is in Fjordland, which is in the, um, the southwest, um, part of the South Island. So that's where all those, um, those fjords that you can see in the bottom left there, um, one of those is Milford Sound, or, or Pio Pio Tahi, um, which is also in Civ 6, um, <laughs> as well. Um, you can find it in there as well. And Invercargill is also right at the bottom. Southern of- Tip the south island yep kind of near stewart island yes um if you want to I'm gonna give myself that one if you want to go to stewart island that's although well to be fair the 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 boats go out of bluff but um Invercargill is generally where you're having to go um so yeah so as i said i'll be quite generous as long as you're kind of vaguely in the correct area mm-hmm. um I'll, I'll you can give yourself a point um so what are we what's the What's our final tallies? Well, not final tallies, but 
Three. Three? Three. Five. Four. <laughs> Four. Five. Excellent. We can count. I'm the geography guy. I make maps. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like... I like, I like... It, was funny. it was funny. That's why you go. Oh, I like rugby, so that's why I can kind of get, figure out a lot of stuff. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, no, it was funny in the last episode of this where I had a similar thing with different places. And um, one of the guys, Sam... Um, who does a movie podcast unbeknownst to me has a geography degree so he absolutely smashed it <laughs> nice nice yeah it's I just so I have I, I just yeah I, I haven't really nailed down any New Zealand's geography beyond that's fair yeah no, looking that's at the big fair. cities and stuff um cool so for question seven we're gonna talk about the Vietnam War which we were only vaguely involved in um the US was quite keen to get New Zealand on side for the Vietnam War, which included a couple of high-profile visits. The first visit by an American president to New Zealand was Eisenhower, later followed by LBJ and Nixon, all with the express purpose of firming up Kiwi support for American military endeavours in Vietnam. Eisenhower wasn't there for that. That's, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're allowed to all pick the same thing. You're allowed to all pick the same thing. Yeah. And in this case, you would be correct. You've all picked the correct <laughs> thing. He was dead. Um, <laughs> like, wait a minute. I mean, he technically was there at the very, very start. He was there at the very start. It's really, um, wouldn't have come to New Zealand over it. No, no. he it wouldn't just... have. Um... So yeah, Eisenhower never came to New Zealand and the first visit by a US president was actually LBJ in 1966. However, that only lasted about 24 hours. He literally flew in, went to Parliament, signed some paperwork, and then buggered off. Like, immediately. Um, the other that sounds thing, like LBJ. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the other thing I would have accepted as well is um, Nixon didn't come when he was president. He only visited when he was vice president. Um, oh, that makes sense. So that was a very sneaky one. Um, but yeah, you're correct. Eisenhower never came to New Zealand um, because it, it, definitely not for Vietnam because he kind of wasn't really involved yeah. at all um, compared to later presidents yeah. who were much more involved. Um, but yeah, the, um, both LBJ and Nixon both came with the idea of trying to shore up support for um, Vietnam. And neither of them were super successful. Um, <laughs> New Zealand has this weird thing where we like to play both sides of Britain and America. And nice. so, like, at this point, apparently, New Zealand was kind of like, actually, we're, we're actually more into Britain right now. Um, so, you know, which was, like, kind of weird because it was kind of like we had these periods of, like, Gallipoli happens where, you know, we lose a whole lot of people and stuff we're very angry at Britain and then we sign ANZUS because we're very angry at Britain <laughs> and then later on we're like actually and you know and like America come over and they're like okay so like you're not into Britain and you've signed this thing with us and stuff great we'd like your help please because we're in a war and we're like actually <laughs> not really that. no, that's why you're friends and not allies not allies if we want to get involved in this, not uh, really. You know, hey, let's do something to uh, not really. That will piss them off. All right, cool. So, yeah. so I, so I have to ask this since, uh, and feel free to cut this if this is 
for reasons that will be clear. That's not my job. So, (laughs) given the current political environment where both countries are completely batshit crazy, who are you close to right now? Um, Yeah, that's a really good question. I don't... Yeah, I... Costa Rica? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of... It's kind of. I guess I'd say we probably lean slightly towards America at the moment because at least the president in America is nominally right. left-leaning, um, whereas in Britain, they're not at the moment. But, I mean, in Give all fairness, all that, that... Yeah, I mean, between us recording this now and when this goes out, that may have changed. So, <laughs> yeah. like... Yeah. Who knows? Um, but I don't know. I think, yeah, I mean, to say New Zealand is close to Britain at the moment in that regard is also perhaps slightly not correct because, of course, with Brexit, we went over there and basically had them over a barrel with, like, a like trade agreements and stuff. We were basically yeah. able to leverage that um, yeah. to our advantage. So we're, like, I don't know. We're close in the sense that it's, like, we saw an opportunity and we took it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That was very British yeah. of you guys. Um, very British of us, yeah. Um, but yeah, but I mean, we, yeah, I don't set know. Up an extra, set up a, a quarter in London where New Zealand has extraterritoriality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I... But yeah, but you know, it's, uh, it is a weird situation at the moment where it's kind of like our two big allies are like kind of, kind of got off the rails a bit yeah. <laughs> at the moment. Um, you know, but yeah, but I mean, it, it, I think New Zealand has generally been slightly leaning towards America because um, the, the distance, for one, we're geographically yeah. closer. Um, so you, you know, it's it's it, which was particularly important, you know, during the world wars and stuff because Japan was yeah. a big problem. Um, and, well, that was the main thing that they were concerned about. So you know, it's a uh, yeah it's a weird and interesting thing i think it's probably it's, it's probably less of a we swing to different sides and more of a we're more militarily aligned with america but perhaps more economically aligned like in terms of trade and stuff with britain maybe i could also just be talking out my ass um yeah. which is very likely uh- <laughs> there, there, there are certain products that like you only see new zealand lamb here yeah for example yes. which just, is like there's just no domestic production basically yeah yeah which is like that's almost entirely like a large part of our exports are dairy and meat and wool and all that and mu- sort of stuff. muscles for muscles some yeah green muscles yeah green lipped muscles we're big on muscles because they get farmed here um yeah which is really not good for the environment um really no really bad um huh. yeah i mean it, it it's kind of swings and roundabouts a little bit because the way that it works is um of course if you're not going to farm them you have to go out and, and like catch them. right not catch them you don't catch muscles right. but you, you know troll the seabed with yeah you have to go ruin the environment and other ways to go get them but if you want to farm them what they do is they have these big like they're almost like chains that sit in yeah. the water and then they 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 all sit on yeah. that um mm-hmm. Which is really bad because, of course, they suck in food and then, of course, they excrete um, in exactly the same spot as well. And all that excrement ends up on the bottom of the, the sea floor. Mm. So it's um, it's not... St- is it, yeah. It's interesting because on the east coast of the U.S. and 
we're way off track. We're so <laughs> off the rails, but um, uh, ecologists and stuff are super hardcore pro uh, bivalve farming here. Interesting, because we have huge problems with uh, nutrition overload in the water, and mm. we, you know, historically we had uh, basically effectively the northern equivalent of um, coral reefs, but they were oyster reefs that, you know, all up and down the East Coast that we have completely nuked. Um, mm. And so doing things like uh, Prince Edward Island just in Canada just lives on muscle and oyster production. And there's a lot of it uh, being encouraged in the East Coast in the uh, Connecticut Sound or whatever it's called and stuff, stuff like that, where it's just, you know, we, we've stripped, we've gotten rid of the bivalves in the water and then we stripped the land of trees so all the sediment is just going yeah. straight into the water and creating you know red tides and algal blooms and stuff so we need it's, it, you know getting back shellfish production is actually really important in fixing our mess yeah yeah it's a yeah it's a weird yeah weird sort of thing because um, we also we have a big thing called bluff oysters here as well which come from mm-hmm. bluff and they get dredged um, oh, no. down there as well. That's and not... so that's really... They've just ruined um, yeah. all the seabed that, down there. That's that's how we killed our oysters. Like, mm. there was pollution and everything, but, like, there's a... We call them salt ponds here in Rhode Island that had been, you know, one of the huge, biggest epicenters of oyster production on the East Coast. Some asshole uh, got a steamship trawler from Providence, went down and cleared the entire pond out in six days. And that was the end of shellfish production for 150 years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rough. Um, in, a, in a similar vein, um, one of the things I talked about in the last episode was um, a lot of New Zealand's invasive freshwater fish, um, at least in the North Island, were um, essentially brought to New Zealand and released into the wild by one man over 20 years between the 70s oh my and God. 80s. He had this whole, like, kind of like a crusade almost to release all of these um introduced fish out into new zealand waterways and so a lot of the problems that we have with introduced fish it can be traced to this one guy um in the like 60s i think yeah i think it was the 60s to the 80s is when he did it is he getting an episode um, he will eventually because it's a, it's a wildly interesting story about how especially like how we got caught and stuff like the cops came around to like his shed and they like bust open his shed and of course, like, you know, they're, they're thinking like, oh, we're going to go do a drug bust or something. And what they actually find is like 10 tanks full of fish of varying stages of life. Um, and it's just, it's just such a wild story. And it's, it's, it's the, the whole thing about how, um, like why he did it. It was like this whole um, disparity between um, like rich anglers and poor anglers, whether you catch i think it's smooth skinned fish or rough skinned fish and so he was like a he wanted some of the poorer fish in new zealand and so he brought them around and and released them all and it's it was a whole debacle and now we're still having to deal with it (laughs) oh my gosh only you can stop invasive species just like (laughs) that's like a dc villain but yeah. like a really crappy one. Yeah. From like a thirties from like a thirties or forties like comic strip. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, kill it. Is... You'll never stop me, Batman. 
You'll never stop me, Batman. <laughs> You'll never stop me, Batman. You see? I'm going to put in all the eraser fish in New Zealand. <laughs> uh, okay, moving on. Question nine. Uh, so, the Treaty of Waitangi is often described as the founding document of New Zealand, and given the importance of such a document, it took numerous months to draft and organise so that the long-winded and flowery wording was just right in both Te Reo Māori and in English. Unfortunately, due to a fire in 1841, most of the treaty was lost, the only part remaining being the front page with the distinctive fire damage that we see today. Hmm. Right. Hmm. This is hard. Man, yeah. I, I um, want to say... I'll admit, this one, this one is playing on your Americanism slightly. I want to say that the, it is not oh. really well written in Te Reo Māori. Mm-hmm. I want to say it's not considered the founding document of New Zealand. Okay. Oh, that's a good one too, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with that one too. I got nothing. Okay. Um, I'll give you a point, all of you a point for that one, um, because uh, it is considered New Zealand's founding document. But you would be correct that there is one other document in New Zealand that kind of sits in a very similar vein, um, which is actually the topic of the next question we're going to talk about. Um, okay. And sorry, Roberto, what was your answer? Oh, uh, that it's not well written in Te Reo Māori. Oh, yes, that's also correct. It's not well written in Te Reo Māori. <laughs> that has caused us no ends of problems uh, since then, um, which is tied one or two into wars. kind of what was wrong here. Um, what I meant by uh, this is playing into your Americanism slightly is that, of course, when you guys think of your founding document, it is f really long and full of flowery language and took a long time to draft. New Zealand's, not so much. Three days um, oh it took to write and translate. Um, so the treaty is actually only three clauses long and 600 words in English. Um, which is yeah. about half the length of the U.S. Declaration of Independence. But, I mean, it's kind of doing a different thing. It's settling, yeah. you know, land disputes and government That's true, oversight but versus... you would expect something that's that important would be longer than three clauses. Um, did, did you hear my episode on Andorra? I have not, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the only country whose founding document is a real estate deal. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> well, there was a bit more than just real estate stuff in there. But um, but yeah, the, the idea is it was very short and um, very to the point, succinct, no flowery language. Um, additionally, due to it being so short, it was drafted in only a few days and then translated, which, as I said, has caused us lots of problems um, because they didn't really spend a lot of time trying to figure out what the correct words to use were and that yeah. everyone understood what was going on um, I, I was thinking that doesn't sound like the British it doesn't sound like the British <laughs> at all okay um, so, I'm no, so, you... so I'm trying to figure out the three clauses I know there's Santa Claus but who are the other two <laughs> you can't fool me there is no sanity clause <laughs> Um, to be fair, in that correction, I've also, um, there is a correction to the correction, 
where I said the treaty is only three clauses. Depending on who you ask, it has four. Um, it has an unofficial clause, which was added like on the day, um, which is that everyone has religious freedom. Um, that was okay. specifically requested by Bishop Pompelier, who is the um, French Bishop of New Zealand, Catholic Bishop of New Zealand at the time. Um, and he was like, actually, should we like say that everyone gets like a fair, you know, everyone gets to practice their own religion and stuff because of course he's catholic and this was going to be now an anglican colony um and all the british guys were like yeah that seems fair enough yeah right then um <laughs> so it's an unofficial clause in um in in the treaty um but if so officially it only has three um what year was it signed again 1840 a nice round number which is good makes it much easier to remember <laughs> and uh yeah Right. Okay. Um, cool. So, question ten, um, as I said, is about the other document that could be potentially considered New Zealand's founding document. Although America's Declaration of Independence is a lot more famous, uh, you might be surprised to know that Aotearoa has one too. Its full name being the Declaration of Independence of the United Tribes of New Zealand, or Hei Fakaputanga or Terangatiratanga or Nutanini in Te Reo Māori. 34 Māori rangatira, or chiefs, signed it, but their efforts were in vain, as the English Parliament never acknowledged it. I mean, that just sounds right. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that, that sounds like... That sounds like Britain, yeah. <laughs> that sounds, like, that sounds just, right, yeah. We're just not going to... You know, how sneaky of, of it, would it would it be from Thomas for this the incorrect statement to, to be the... He just said. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that that, that, that is correct. Okay. The, the, that that um, uh, it is called that because um, interestingly, um, New Tirini um is actually what New Zealand is called in both um the Declaration of Independence and in um the Treaty of Waitangi. It's not called Aotearoa or. Um, New Zealand, or at least it's not called that in the Te Reo Māori version. It's called New Tirini for some reason. I don't really know why. What's Tirini? Uh, New Tirini. It, it is just a transliteration of New Zealand. Um, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, sure. So they cool. they took the English name and then um, turned it into Māori. I think is how that works. So the the English name, which is a combination of Dutch and English. Yes. Which... Cool. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm not really sure why they didn't use Aotearoa because um, there's a high amount of evidence to suggest that that would have also been an appropriate name um, that would have been in use at the time. Um, mm. But yeah. And what year did you say that okay. was? Um, I didn't actually, um, mm-hmm. but it was a few years before. I believe it was 1834, if I remember off the top of my oh, head. Okay. So it was a few years before okay. Treaty of Waitangi. So I was. My first guess was that it wasn't actually Westminster that didn't acknowledge it. it was, yeah, but there wouldn't have been any kind of there wouldn't have been any kind of New Zealand Parliament to not. Was it the New South Wales anyway. Parliament that looked at it? Maybe mm. I want to say it's the New South Wales. <laughs> okay. Could you repeat it? Sorry. Yeah. 
Uh, although America's Declaration of Independence is more famous, you might be surprised to know that Aotearoa has won too. Its full name being the Declaration of Independence of the United Tribes of New Zealand, or Hei Whakaputanga o Te Rangatira Tanga o Nūtenene in Te Reo Māori. 34 Māori Rangatira, or chiefs, signed it, but their efforts were in vain as the English Parliament never acknowledged it. I'm hoping you're not going to screw with us in terms of it being 34. <laughs> it was actually 33. No, well, again, I, I'm pretty sure I got that number from Wikipedia. So if sure. it's slightly incorrect, then we can blame them. Uh, but uh, as far as I'm aware, 34 is the right number. <laughs> I want to say it has something to do with the Parliament. I'm going to go with the American Dick. Mm-hmm. Hmm. can't see anything but the parliament really. yeah like i could see maybe I, there's another governing body that needed to accept it or something they are probably correct but i'm gonna go with uh the american declaration of independence it's not more famous this is clearly a more important document uh i, I guess it depends on what your frame of reference is i suppose <laughs> um, <laughs> To be fair, actually, I'd still probably say the American Declaration of Independence is more widely known by people in New Zealand <laughs> than our Declaration of Independence. Um, maybe that's changed right. more recently. That's our cultural domination. Um, that I'm going to go with, you know? Um, but yeah, you're correct in that, um, yeah, it was the English Parliament. Um, the English Parliament did actually acknowledge it, what? although some people mm. didn't really want them to um, or didn't think it was necessary. Um, and as such, the fact that they did form, the fact that Britain's Parliament did formally acknowledge this document is somewhat what led to the um, Treaty of Waitangi being signed, because basically England had recognised that this um, that New Zealand, or at least the, the thirty-five or the United Tribes, the, the thirty-four chiefs, were their own independent nation. So if they wanted to start doing stuff in New Zealand, they couldn't really do that without a treaty because they've just acknowledged that's a sovereign nation. Right. Um, so it was this weird situation, especially when, you know, the, later on, they kind of ignored the treaty. They ignored the Declaration okay, of Independence yeah. and, and stole the land anyway. Um, but there was Why? this weird sort of period where it was kind of like they didn't want to lose clout on the international stage by just kind of fucking over the sovereign nation which by their own admission was a sovereign nation so why did they why did they acknowledge it was it just like everyone was in a good mood that day yeah i'm not really sure actually it, it, um, it was after bonfire night that's what happened yeah. <laughs> everyone was real hungover. oh yeah i mean it's very acknowledge yeah. things and then ignore them probably easier than mm -hmm. actually like not acknowledging them yeah, I think I I get the feeling because um, another part of Treaty of Waitangi being signed was to stop the French from colonizing the, uh, or at least to stop the French from uh, formally yeah. taking over and having jurisdiction yeah. uh, in New Zealand. So there probably was an element of that as well. Is if the English Parliament acknowledges the sovereign nation, then France, by extension, kind of has to as well. Um, or at least if they don't and start doing things that are a bit more untoward, England could then go, well, actually, this is a sovereign nation. We recognize them as such. And therefore, we're, you know, we're pushing back against you based on that sort of kind of rhetoric, I guess. So it yeah. was, okay, that, yeah, that so it was kind of, I guess, yeah, so it was, um, I guess, with a lot of these sorts of things, it wasn't really about um, 
actually acknowledging indigenous rights or anything it was all because england probably saw an opportunity to do something else that was kind of going on um and screw over france which the, the whole french thing and screw over france the french though were kind of a little bit unhinged actually at this point um because the way that france was trying to to be fair france weren't really trying to make new zealand a colony what was actually happening was a guy who was claiming to be like a duke or something from france turned up in new zealand and tried to establish himself as the french king of new zealand um which was like <laughs> really weird i want an episode on this too please <laughs> yeah there definitely will be because he's like a really weird guy he just kind of turns up and starts telling people that he's the king of new zealand and that like he's independent but also like a subject of france it's very strange and then his, and then france, and everybody take my fish yeah and then france start like becoming more like i think for a while this guy was a bit sort of like on the fringe and then france start suddenly going actually we could use this and then that's when england went oh actually no 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 no, no, no. we're doing we're going to do a treaty and it's going to become our colony and and that sort of stuff Wait, this is before um, world war one right <laughs> This is white. This is like a hundred years Quite before World War One. Yeah. So like, um, so David can cover this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's a very weird, a very weird thing that um kind of happened and was just very, uh, yeah, just really, just a really strange guy. Um, <laughs> the kind of thing that happened in that era of colonialism. I mean, yeah, um, you just kind of tone up. You say this is yours, and that's kind of yeah. it, really. I mean, um, is that how Brunei? That's how Brunei happened. If I'm, that might have oh been really? Country, but yeah, the, uh, an English, but it was an English guy who just showed up and said, "This is <laughs> mine now." <laughs> oh, <laughs> this this is mine now. Classic English. Yeah. yeah, but like, but as a private citizen, essentially. Yeah. So sort of had the protection of the english government but sort of not yeah yeah like a weird thing where it's like we don't really want to deal with that but if it suddenly becomes to our advantage then we we might do something about that um so yeah so that brings us to our last shiny question um which again i put in the discord this time it's matching up the movie quotes to oh both the characters in the movie <laughs> oh. and the actor or actress. Again, it's um, kind of similar to the um, to the songs. Um, you get a point for every um, for every movie slash um, character that you get correct, um, and for every actor or actress you get correct. Um, so while you, you think about those, um, for everyone else who is listening, um, the quotes that we have are, Behold my stuff, you wear fine things well. Now, prisoner 24601, your time is up and your parole's begun. You know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> when you look at me, what do you see? The answer is nothing. I have no feeling about you one way or the other. You're like, like lint or a bottle cap. You're just a thing to remove. What's up, Randy, is that your loser asshole wife-killing buddy boy here was beating the shit out of Bruce. And the last one, I know them not, I've been away too many years, and I'm now to return to Denmark. But I have in my time in that court been privy to its commissions. I have seen there, again and again, that no one ever speaks true, wholly true. 
Choose your steps wisely, dear brother. Well, one of these is... Oh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> so these are all, um, not necessarily New Zealand films, but these are all New Zealand um, actors and actresses. Um, some of them are international films. Um, one of them, actually, to be fair, is a TV show. Um... But they're all they're all Kiwis. One of these I only put in here because I I recently watched the movie and I was like, yeah, I didn't even know that person was in it. I'll put that one in. <laughs> How are we feeling? Gears turning. Oh, pretty good. Gears are turning. Gears are turning. <laughs> I am a movie. I, I like. I like watching movies, so this is easy for me. <laughs> yeah, I Yeah, I did one. I was like, are we? Are we movie people here? Do we? Do we feel this one might be easier? Am, for me, it was I'm really easy it. because I've like seen all of these, and again, like I'm a movie person and stuff. So I was like, for me, this is quite easy. But um... I'm very much not a movie person. Yeah, that's that I don't like movies. It just don't have time yeah it's also easy to say this is very easy when i have all the answers oh, yeah. <laughs> this is easy why can't you just get it <laughs> i'm done i got yeah i got nothing for the rest of it got, Hold got on, some guesses to... yeah I, I need to put together some guesses yeah never know you might just fluke into it <laughs> like, like i did the first shiny like i did the first shiny round yeah yeah get the yeah get the um the actor and the, the character right but not the movie <laughs> right i will say carl urban is currently um, my, one of my favorite uh, kiwi actors right now so he is good yeah the boys yeah, I haven't seen that actually. Oh, I, it is on my list of it's good. things to watch. It's 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 good. There's some scenes that are explicit, but it's good. Mm. Well, the guy who plays Homelander um, is also a Kiwi. And he's very problematic. <laughs> mm, yeah. Which fits. <laughs> um, before we start, can we get a point for matching the actor in the movie, even if the quote isn't right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right, yeah, cool. Just, just the honor system. Uh, that's, yeah, you know, sure. Um, as long as you kind of get something right. Give okay. You <laughs> cool. Alright, let's do it. How'd you get yep. on, Sarah? Yeah, I've got my guesses. <laughs> you got some guesses, yeah. <laughs> cool. So the answers, uh, Behold My Stuff is Scourge the Executioner in Thor Ragnarok, yes. which was played by Carl Urban. Yes. Um, the... Alas quote you wear fine things well is from steed bonnet and our flag means death which was played by reese darby um which my partner is a huge fan it's of that, such a good show um of that that show um and he's been religiously trying to figure out where the second season is being filmed by looking at all the instagram <laughs> photos and like literally i'm getting like like messages on my phone of like do you recognize the carpet in this airport? Do you know what airport this might be? <laughs> I'm like, no, I have not been to every airport in New Zealand. <laughs> um, 
Prisoner 24601 um, is Javier from Les Miserables, which was played by Russell Crowe. Um, which, before I get angry emails from people, because Les Mis was actually a good film, I am claiming Russell Crowe for New Zealand. When he does bad films, then he's Australian. Um, because Les Mis is a good film, he is a Kiwi. I love it. I love it. But it is quite Russell. Yeah, well, he's, you know, he's, um, he lives in Australia, but he's New Zealand born. So depending on who you ask, depends on, mm. you know, whether he's Australian or a Kiwi. Um, so yeah, as I said, Lamers was a good film. So I'm claiming him as a Kiwi in this particular instance. <laughs> um, uh, when you look at me, what do you see? The answer is nothing. That is Teddy in The Equalizer. He was saying that quote to um, Denzel Washington. Um, and he was played by Martin Sokus. Sokus? I'm not sure how to pronounce his last Chukas. name. The only... So... There you go. It's Hungarian, I'm pretty sure. He's of Hungarian yeah. descent. But he is also from Invercargill, where I'm from, which is very exciting. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's um, he's been in a number of things as well, um, which is quite fun, knowing that someone from Invercargill actually like did quite well for themselves. Um, that's not usually the case. <laughs> um what's up randy is that your loser asshole wife killing buddy boy here was beating the shit out of bruce that is janet lloyd in once upon a time in hollywood who is played by uh zoe bell who is more well known for her stunt work um she's actually a stunt woman mm-hmm. um in a number of different films um but she's recently or somewhat recently transitioned to acting i think partially because she had like a kind of severe back injury um mm. but yeah she's quite a um she was also in um hateful eight yeah. as well she had a i think a cameo in that film as well um and the last one i know them not have been away for too many years um might have slightly given away that one with and now i'm retur- to return to denmark that is funnily enough um philippa of denmark in the king um the mm-hmm timothy chamelier film about henry the fifth question mark um and the battle of agincourt um and that is played by thomason mckenzie who um was also in jojo rabbit um is probably what a lot of people know her from as well is she the meaning to watch that movie i did not like that (laughs) i liked it what jojo rabbit i like the place and i just got I don't know, nitpicky. I love that. Um, right. Does she play the the female lead or? Yeah, in Jojo Rabbit, she did. Okay. She played the um, the the Jewish woman that they're hiding in their cupboard or their attic or whatever okay. it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. So that's who she plays. Um, cool. cool. What What's the points? Three. <sighs> yep. Five. Five. 12. Wow. wow. I, I, have, I have succeeded wow. at being completely <laughs> These are all recent movies I've seen. So I was just like, yep, 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 yep. But yeah, well, yeah, they're all recent movies that I've seen. That's why I put them in there. <laughs> so, um, cool. So we've got one more question left, um, which is the real life skills question. Something to do with... Um, not to, not history, but something to do with New Zealand. If, um, in this case, something to do with if you were trying to come into New Zealand um, 
from America if you were on a plane. Which I have been. Okay, cool. (laughs) When arriving in Aotearoa from overseas, it is not uncommon to have a brush with biosecurity at the airport. New Zealand takes this very seriously, as any diseases, animals or plants entering the country could be devastating to our environment and economy. Notable organisms that the Ministry of Primary Industries are on the lookout for are Varroa, Slaters, Minox, Cane Toad, Water Chestnuts, Beavers, Wallabies, Gophers, Squirrels, and Snakes. Minox is not a real thing. I will neither confirm nor deny that. (laughs) It's from Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Minox. Yes, Greg, Minox are not real. (laughs) Weird sucky things. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they're, out, they're probably out there chewing on the cables. Yeah. <laughs> I've watched Star Wars too many times. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure how obscure Minox were. Um, no, that, that was just the right yeah. level. That only, <laughs> it was just me that picked it up. Because <laughs> um, uh, the one that I thought might get you was Slaters, which is the New Zealand term. For what you guys might call pill bugs. Oh. Mm. So that. Mm. Yeah, those good. They hate those. Yeah, things. yeah. but um, all those other things they are on the, the search for. Varroa being the mite that um, kills bees. Um, oh, yeah. They're not super keen. I mean, it's already here, but they're not super keen on bringing any more. Yeah. Um, cane toads are the big thing in Australia, invasive predator in Australia. <laughs> we obviously don't want those either. Um, how would you <laughs> this gets to like how, how, they're like this big like how would you you, you would you bring them by mistake I have or no like would you idea. that kind of asshole I have, I have no idea I mean, <laughs> fish guy but, but I mean the fish guy yeah that's true yeah I mean yeah, yeah. Um, water chestnuts I don't know why that one is uh, I guess just cause is that food um, it's probably I mean I guess but it's it's probably quite amazing. I mean, so were all those fish that that guy was releasing, apparently. Mm. Uh, beavers, wallabies, gophers, and squirrels. I feel that's pretty self-explanatory yeah. why we don't want any of those. Um, and snakes. We don't have snakes, um, so we don't want yep. any either. Um, yep. This is, in- incidentally, same thing with Hawaii, and that is Dai's biggest problem with snakes on a plane. Oh, really? Is that the movie's set <laughs> have a plane taking off from Hawaii, and it's like right. full of snakes, and she's just like, you can't get that many snakes into Hawaii, yeah. it's illegal. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Oh. Um, but yeah, so they're all things that we're on the lookout for um, did not come into the country, among all sorts of other things. Um which is kind of funny because we have I don't know if America has these sorts of things but here in New Zealand and Australia we have these shows about like border security and stuff and like people trying to bring oh, yeah. in, like weird things and stuff <laughs> and there's like a real I remember there was a real funny one where um, uh, you know there's all these ones where people like bring in like dried fruit and stuff and they're like okay you can't have that you're not allowed that and they're like trying to explain to this person who doesn't speak English why you're not allowed that but there's this really funny one where this guy comes in and he's like he's an Aussie and they scan his bag and they're like okay so there's some stuff in here that we're a bit unsure about and the guy's like yep 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 and i totally understand that and they open it up and it's full of like um like dried snakes um like antlers from like um deer and stuff um and like skins and pelts and 
just a, a really eclectic mix of of stuff um, from various animals and animal bits, and it, and then it, it goes to like it cuts to like an um, to like a commercial break and is like kind of implies that it's like oh what's he gonna do you know he's in deep shit if like you know if they decide to charge him or whatever and then they cut back to him after the break and he come he literally is like so i've got all this stuff um yeah so here's the paperwork and they look at they like you take the paperwork they look at him and go oh yeah everything seems to be in order yeah cool thank you good thanks very much and then just bug us off they're not alive yeah and they make it this whole palaver of this guy having all these exotic animal bits it turns out it was totally legal he had all the paperwork he was no problem i was like that's a bit boring <laughs> it, it's, it's like the buzzfeed you know oh, number three will shock you <laughs> yeah it was it was so weird uh like clickbait okay i'm going yeah. to tell you I, I i was all set for like i've been looking at immigration to new zealand since 2016 and uh so i'm like all right this is my category and then it was just star wars knowledge that star wars <laughs> i hope when i finally get my debt under control and i'm between cats that uh actually immigrating to new zealand will be so star wars focused <laughs> cool so the final scores um, with the bronze award is Sarah on 23 points um, the silver is Ben on 31 and the gold is Roberto on 41 um, the, the, uh, the movie novel oh, yeah. um, really really coming out to bed for him at the end there. I know oh my gosh um, so with that um, that's all all I have for you uh today so thank you very much for coming on and playing this dumb game with me um i learned i learned so much um, yeah if i'm honest some of the questions were kind of like an excuse to talk about new zealand history things rather than like i don't think they're necessarily going to get this but i get to teach them something in the process i think um, that's the beauty of this specific format so yeah 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 definitely so um so yeah thanks again for coming on um as i said at the top of the episode i guess this was kind of a way to get you guys um on as some as people who have um helped me in my podcasting journey and uh it's difficult to get people on a history podcast who aren't you know you have to have qualifications and stuff so it's kind of hard to get like other people on to just do things like this um so yeah it, it was a way to to get you guys on to have some fun and um say thanks in a weird and roundabout way <laughs> yeah. um, no it's 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 definitely been my pleasure both to be here and to help you out because your show's amazing yeah same so, here oh, thanks. I, i've enjoyed your show for a long time and it directly inspired the name of my show so <laughs> Yeah, I was I was pretty chuffed with it actually. I I, I I distinctly remember when I I can't remember whether you hit me up on like Twitter or I emailed you. Know, it was you. Email. It was emailed. You emailed me and were asking me. And I because I, I remember I was like I, I I sent back the the email back and then flicked it off. Thought nothing else of it for the next wee while. And if I'm honest, I was like, don't know if that'll that'll turn into yeah. anything because it like it very rarely does um but i was very pleased when um you know like you showed up in the discord and like you 
you um you know and it, you got twitter and stuff and then like podcasts came out and stuff i was like oh shit like actually <laughs> it's actually become something <laughs> yeah yeah that was that was exciting um for for me having you know um trying you know i guess inspiring other people to do it was always quite exciting yeah um and the fact that yeah it actually like it actually went somewhere and it's actually turned out pretty good so yeah and it, it actually ended up being i was binging your podcast and i was like wow this is awesome i want to do the same thing thomas is doing for like all the stories and like the history and i'm like i'm gonna do it and then i did it and i was like after you emailed me back and i'm like yes this is this is great i have a it's fantastic so thank you thank you yeah, so I much know how helpful i was very helpful because <laughs> i just gave you the same i gave you the same advice that robin pearson gave me when i started <laughs> so i was like that advice worked for me so it worked for me so thank you <laughs> yeah I, i'm still repeating the same advice that benjamin ashwell gave me when i started and no one even remembers who he is at this point unification of italy podcast mm. which is yeah. late late lamented yeah it was a great show but um sadly he got a real job and moved on with his life yeah <laughs> yeah the 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 real death of podcasts being having to do real world things um yeah. because podcasts don't pay the pay bills money. i feel, I, yeah. I i have a very lavish lifestyle so you know uh i don't think patreon the patrons really could sustain my <laughs> my my lavish lifestyle <laughs> I have to give my patrons, uh, they, they've, uh, they've kept me going this last couple of months where I've been going through some housing insecurity and everything. And my, my patronage rate doubled, um, while nice. I've been not releasing episodes, episodes. not release, just don't release episodes and they'll give you more money. Is that how that works? I feel like that's bad advice. Maybe I should take a six month think... break. Uh... I, I think the big, I think. I think the big takeaway is that my patrons are awesome, but you know, yeah. maybe experiment, give it a try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, um, so yeah. So with that, um, do we want to go? Do you guys just want to um, quickly plug your stuff again, um, sure, yeah. so that everyone knows where they can find you, either on podcasts or in other social media? Let's do reverse order this time. Sarah, kick us off. Uh, yes. Uh, well, like I said, I'm Sarah of Rejects and Revolutionaries. You can find me on any podcast app um, or online at AmericanHistoryPodcast.net or on Twitter. I am Roberto from the History of Sacredvelo, Georgia <laughs> yeah. and Czar Power. Uh, you can find me on Twitter or any podcast app. Um, Sacredvelo is spelled S-A-Q-A-R-T-V-E-L-O and Zara with a T-S because we don't do the C-Z stuff. That's that's no-go. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm Benjamin Jacobs from Wittenberg to Westphalia. Uh, I should also say I do have a second podcast called Why Though? A Personal Journey Through My Record Collection. Um, so if you want to hear me talk about history, you go to Wittenberg to Westphalia. If you want to hear me talk about literal records that I ha just happened to own because I inherited three different record collections, one from a random stranger, uh, you should definitely come check out Why Though. Um, but uh, best place to find out about my stuff is Wittenberg to Westphalia at Weebly.com. Uh, and uh, I'm very active on Twitter, uh, which is at w2w podcast i believe um 
because I don't remember these things. I have too many. Pretty sure that's what remember. it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> um, cool. Um, once again, thank you guys for coming on and um, playing my dumb game. Um, very awesome to have you guys on and um, have a bit of fun. Um, but with that, hari to atu, hockey to mai. Uh, see you listeners uh, for episode 102, whenever that decides to come out. Maybe six months from now. Awesome. <laughs>